Morning. Uh, you know, today is a good day for us, kind of a hard day all at the same time, a special day. Uh, earlier this summer, uh, kind of back in May, if you can call that the summer, that's kind of like the end of winter in Minnesota, uh, we, we introduced you to Mark Katzenberger, who is going to be planting our fifth church, a transformed church, uh, Auto Renovation Church. Uh, I'd like to ask Mark to uh, join me on stage here for a second. Uh, you know, if you didn't happen to see our social media announcement uh, earlier in the week, hello, welcome. Uh, uh, earlier, we, uh, sorry, you don't have a microphone, so I guess you can't say anything back to me. Uh, we announced that uh, Transformed Church is uh, going to be meeting in Oakview Middle School in Andover, which is awesome. We're excited about that. Uh, when Mark was here in May, we asked a number of you, all of you, if you would pray, if you could consider uh, going with Mark to help start a brand new church so we can extend the kingdom of God, and 22 of you are going. So if you are on the Transform launch team, but you're from Renovation Church, would you come and join us uh, on stage? We'd love to have you up here. So the Hartons, the Hansons, Austin Rumsey, uh, the Barkers, the Wolves, the Chandlers, and the Freebies, so you can all uh, come up here. And uh, we want to recognize them today as they come forward. Also, you can come all the way up, yeah. Also, as, uh, as they're coming up, if you are here today and you are a part of the Transform launch team and you're here kind of checking out church planting today, but you're not from Renovation Church, would you just stand where you are? We want to just honor you. If you're, I know a few of you are at this service as well. So we'll just thank you for your bravery for going out. Can't even see it. Oh, there you are. All right. Okay. You're actually all just shadows to me. Okay. Um, so uh, we're excited. We're excited. Look at you all. This is, I'm going to try not to look at you. That would be better. Okay. You know, we want to we be a church that reaches as many people as possible for Christ. And so we, we're not about just building the kingdom of renovation. We want to build the kingdom of God. Uh, if that's not what we were about, we wouldn't be asking these people to leave our church if we were just trying to build our own kingdom. Now, some of these people uh, certainly will be back in nine months, but some of them are going to choose to stay on at Transform Church and build that church and do ministry there. Uh, This is not an easy thing for us. Um, In fact, we have sent 43 people out of our church uh, just in the last 12 months to go and start new churches. Uh, We believe in this even when it hurts. I will tell you, you cannot accomplish much for Jesus Christ if you're not willing to sacrifice. And this is a sacrifice for us. It's a sacrifice for them. It's a sacrifice for you. Many of you, these are your friends. They're in your house group. They've helped you get closer to Jesus. They've sat with you and taught you about Jesus. They cried with you. They supported you. It's, it's a sacrifice for you and, and even for them. They're leaving a church that they love, friends like you that they love. Some of them have been here for a long time. So why are we doing this? We're doing this because this is how you change the world. You cannot change the world just by gathering everyone into one place. You bring people in, you introduce them to Jesus, you disciple them, you send them out. That's how you start not just a church, that's how you start a movement. And so today, uh, for these guys, this is sort of their last uh, Sunday with us. Their launch team is going to start meeting on Sunday mornings uh, next week as they're sort of preparing for their big grand opening on October 6th. So please be, par- please be praying for that date. And so uh, because of that, I'm going to ask uh, all uh, 22 of you to kind of come forward. If you would just kind of go in front of the stage. If you're here, and actually if you could spread out, because there's so many of you, even from wall to wall, if you go all the way over to the, that wall and that wall, 
If these are your family members, if these are your friends, if they're in your house group, your small group, would you just come forward now? We want to send them out and pray for them. This is what we do in the Bible. You can get up right now and come forward. We send people out and we lay hands on them and we pray for them as they're taking a risk to go do this and start a church basically from nothing. Uh, That's not an easy thing to do. And we're so excited that they're willing to take the risk to go and do that so we can reach even more people for Christ. Because there's a lot of people, uh, even north of here and west of here, that don't know Jesus. And we want another church in that city that can reach people for Christ. Okay, so I will, I will pray. Lord, I am so grateful for these 22 people, these families, that they are willing to risk for you. They're willing to leave friendships, to leave family members in some cases, to go and start something new. I pray you would use them. I pray that their faith would come alive to an even greater capacity because they're stepping out in faith and trusting you. And God, we just pray over Transform Church. I pray that Transform Church would be a powerhouse for the kingdom of God. I pray that Transform Church would be a place that starts churches. God, that they would give us some grandchildren out of this church and you would continue this movement of God that's coming out of this gym. Lord, just be, just, just be with these people. It's your name we pray. Amen. All right, you can all have a seat. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Uh, before we get into the message, let me just take uh, one more minute and give you just quick, another really uh, important spiritual update of what's happening here at Renovation Church. Uh, last week uh, at our prayer meeting, so we have prayer meetings before every service in our cafeteria, please uh, join us. Uh, we prayed that God would give us a miracle, and I believe in some ways that he has. Uh, I, I mentioned here on the stage last week that as we continue to grow quickly as a church, the need for new volunteers continues to grow as well. We're adding another children's classroom to keep up with the growth and so on and and so forth. And so I mentioned last week that we needed to fill 80 volunteer slots, which is, that's an insane amount of slots, right? And and normally when I say that, Usually in in our past, we'll see maybe 15 volunteers sign up or 20. I can think of maybe one or two times where we've had a 25. Uh, But last week alone, just just on Sunday morning, we needed 80 volunteers. We saw 66 volunteer slots filled. That's incredible. Thank you to responding to what the Lord's doing in your heart. Uh, That allows us to keep doing what we're doing at a greater capacity. Because we were praying about that so specifically, I just feel like it would be right to just pause for a second and just thank Jesus for that. So I'm going to do that, if that's okay. We're going to pray again. We're just praying a lot, and that's all right. Okay. God, thank you so much that you did that. Um, we, just, we give you the glory for that. We give you the credit for that. We know that was you because we haven't seen that in the past. And God, I pray that you use these volunteers to continue to help us disciple and reach people. In your name we pray. Amen. So that's like 14 more spots to go. Let's just finish this out today. Uh, most of the needs left are in places like setup, to get this set up, a teardown, uh, still a number of spots in renovation kids, and then a, kind of a, a few other spots in different areas. So I just encourage you, if the Lord's kind of been moving on your heart this week, to sign up and respond to that. Okay. You know, back at the end of uh, May, uh, Lindsay, my wife, and I, we took a few days to, to go on vacation, just the two of us, and we went up to the Iron Range in northern Minnesota, which exciting, I know, it sounds really romantic. Uh, but uh, we got a good deal up there, and it was three days without kids, and so we went for it. There's not a whole lot to do at the Iron Range, but one of the things that I wanted to do for a long time that we were able to do is go and visit the Sudan Underground Mine. Anybody ever been there? Oh, it's like 
seven of us that could form a club. That's great. Um, I'm going to tell you about it because it's actually really cool. Uh, it's one of the old mines on the Iron Range. It actually closed in the early 60s. And when it closed, uh, the state of Minnesota took it over as a tourist destination. And so what you do is you put on your hard hat and you ride an elevator, no joke, half a mile under the surface. And you can begin to tour the mines. And so they take you on this train ride. Uh, there I am on the train ride. I promise my wife was actually with me. Uh, <laughs> she was on the other side of the train. Anyway, um, that's all we had for a photo. And you take this train ride. You're a half a mile under the surface. And you take the train to where they were last mining. And when you get there, and you're all in this cavern, one of the things that they do is they shut off all their lights. And I promise you, you have never in your life seen darkness like this before. You can't even remotely see your hand right in front of your face. Uh, This morning, as we get back into the book of Luke, Jesus is going to talk about light and darkness and the power and the purpose of light. So I want to come back to this in a little bit. Uh, We are going to be on page 844. There's a Bible under every chair. I'd love for you to look at it. We're going to teach out of the text this morning. So it's great if you can have it in front of you so you can study it. Uh, Or you can use the Renovation Church app. You just tap Bible uh, and weekly verses. You know, light is this really common metaphor, especially in the New Testament, uh, and Jesus is going to use it often. And today, really, the light is Jesus Christ, and it's his word. So let's take a look. So in Luke chapter 11, uh, we are on verse 33 now as we've been going through this book. Uh, Here's what Jesus says. He says, No one lights a lamp and puts it in a place where it will be hidden or under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand so that those who come in may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eyes are healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when they are unhealthy, your body is also full of darkness. See to it then that the light within you is not darkness. Therefore, if your whole body is full of light and no part of it dark, it will be just as full of light as when a lamp shines its light on you. Okay, so Jesus starts verse 33, if you see it there. He's saying, all right, nobody takes a lamp and puts it under a, a bowl, right? The purpose of light is to bring light to something. If you hide a lamp, then darkness wins out in the end. So what's the lamp in this metaphor? Look closely. We're going to really look at verse 34. That's kind of our key verse for this morning. It says, your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eyes are healthy, the question you're asking yourself this morning from God's word is, are my eyes healthy? Your whole body is also full of light. But when they are unhealthy, your body is also, excuse me, your body also is full of darkness. So what does that mean? Your eye is the lamp of your body. So in this case, the eye is the lamp that gives light. But don't think of the light going outward from you. But the eye is the lamp that's giving light inward into your body, into your heart. So the eye is kind of like a a conduit if you will. So through your eyes, you're letting in both light and darkness, Jesus says, to your heart. So you can almost think of the eye as a doorway to your heart. Okay, so the eye is the lamp. What is the light? Well, in the New Testament, the light is Jesus. John 8, 12, in his word, John 8, 12, for example, says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but we'll have the light of life. And so what Jesus is saying in our passage today in Luke 11 is he wants you to have healthy eyes, that your eyes may be full of life. Well, how do you have healthy eyes? You have healthy eyes when you look to the light of the world, Jesus Christ. 
And that light comes in through the lamp of your body, into your body, into your heart, and that light begins to change you. So this can happen in a number of different ways. Uh, This happens every single time you open up the Word of God, which I pray that you're doing every day, that you open up the Bible, right? Whether it's on your phone or you open up a, a printed Bible. Every time that you do that and you look at God's Word, the light is coming in through your eyes to your heart, and it's changing you. Every time you come to church, this is why this discipline is so important. You come and you look up and you see, again, the word of God. And you see the teachings of God for your life. The word is coming in through your eyes and it's transforming you. It's changing you. It's conquering your sin nature through your eyes. Every time you go to house groups and you look upon other believers who are following after Christ. They're telling you in your small group of his love. Uh, They're testifying in their faith story in house groups about what God has done in your life. The same thing. You're looking at the light. The light is coming in and it's transforming you. Every time you read books about what the Lord has done in the past, uh, every time that you watch content about the Lord, and it's just amazing how much Christian content they're putting out on streaming services and movies. And every time you do that, this light enters into you and it changes you. Well, how does it change you? Well, one of the things that happens when the light shines in your life is it begins to reveal to you, because it's light, things that you have never seen before. Uh, a couple of years ago, I, I don't even remember where I read this, some article or something, and I wrote it down. Uh, I was reading about this carpet cleaning business and uh, this particular carpet cleaning business guy said that they had this a special service for removing pet urine uh, from houses, which sounds awesome, right? And so what they would do to sell their product is they would go into people's homes and they would basically shut off all the lights, get it as dark as they possibly could, and then they would turn on a specific powerful black light. And the black light would cause urine crystals, who knew there was such a thing, I wish I didn't know there was such a thing, uh, it would cause the urine crystals to glow brightly. And then to the horror of the homeowner, every drop and dribble could be seen, not only on the carpet, but on the walls, on their curtains, on their furniture, even on lampshades, I'd say. And then in the article, it said, once the customers saw what the light revealed, they said one of two things would always happen. I said, most people would say, oh, that is awful. Please clean this up, do whatever it takes, get rid of it now. I said, the other set of people would say, please shut that light off right now. I don't want to look at it. I don't want to think about it. I'm basically going to pretend that doesn't exist. See, and I find this as a challenge to Christian discipleship, uh, to you and I maturing in our walk with Jesus. So I've been a Christian for 19 years now, and I'm still amazed at how much Jesus changed my life in the first year or two of walking with him. So when I let his light into my life, it's unbelievable to me how many things he quickly convicted me of. He was convicting me of things that literally just months earlier I felt zero remorse over. Nothing. Like the way that I spoke, uh, the things that I viewed with my eyes, uh, even the way that I treated people. And so what happened in my life, as I gave my life to Christ, I began to fix my eyes now on the light of Jesus. And as that light came into my life and it shined into my actions, I saw for the first time that they were not right. 
The things that I seemingly didn't even notice before now horrified me. You know, it's, it's similar to, to those pet owners. And so I began to change my life. And that happens to a lot of you. A lot of you have been saved at this church, even within the last couple of years. So why is it then that you have so many Christians that they walk this path, and the first couple years, the light comes in, and they let Jesus change so much in their lives, and then eventually, it's almost as if that change begins to stall out. You know what I'm talking about? Well, one of the reasons is, as Jesus' light continues to shine into the deeper recesses of your life, it starts to shine on some things well, we just don't really want to change. Or some of the things that might feel too difficult to change. And when the light hits that part of our lives, so many of us, we hesitate. We have these light hesitations. And the light causes us to hesitate on if we actually want to progress further with Jesus or not. Or are we just satisfied kind of stopping it here? And maybe that's where you are right now. I, mean, I imagine that a lot of people ask that carpet cleaner just shut the lights off right now because they know that if they were to fix that problem, it's going to be costly, right? It's going to be difficult. Uh, interestingly, uh, Jesus uses this particular metaphor about the eyes being the lamp of the body one other place in the Bible. So Matthew chapter 6, uh, I think it's verses 22 through 23. And in that context, he's actually applying that same metaphor to money. It's a really great example, actually, because... When Jesus shines the light on really hard places in your life, like your finances, and Jesus starts saying to you, okay, no, if you're going to follow me, then that means you follow me everywhere. That means you trust me even when it comes to your finances. Or you're reading in scripture and you begin to study and you read, well, the Bible says even as just a starting point for Christians, it's 10% of your finances. And we read stuff like that and we think, yeah, I don't know. And we hesitate. Some of us have even turned down the light a little bit. We don't want to look that hard at the truth. It's too difficult. It's better to just not think about it. And it's this odd part of Christian discipleship. So if you want to grow, you want to continue to mature as a follower of Jesus, it's going to take some faith. Right? When you get to that point when you hesitate, you need some faith that you're going to trust that Jesus' way is right and that it's better than yours. I think a lot of us in this room, we have surrendered the little things to God that the light showed us when we started following him, but we haven't yet surrendered the things that would be difficult for us to surrender. Is that you? In fact, let me just ask you, which part of your life have you not surrendered to God yet? Have you not let him touch? Because it would just be too difficult to do that. And I would just say to you, if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, if you're going to call yourself a follower of Jesus, you cannot just follow Jesus when it's easy to follow Jesus. Remember, we've been seeing this kind of Luke chapter 9, Luke chapter 10, now into chapter 11. One of the main things that Jesus is teaching is that in spirituality, there is no neutral. When you hesitate to let the light reach a different new compartment of your life, because there is no neutral, when you hesitate, you're actually choosing darkness instead. Okay, certainly there are people out there that go out and they just willingly choose darkness, but for most of us, probably a lot of us in this room, the darkness is entering our lives simply because we've hesitated. We failed to let the light of Jesus continue to progress further into our lives. 
And so those parts are in darkness instead. It would be like, I don't know if you have a place in your house where you have like a, a closet that you never really open, or maybe for some of you, depending on your age, your parents' house, or your grandparents' house, where maybe it's like a little closet under the stairs or something. But let's say you go in there and you open it, and it is just nasty, right? These spider webs, and it's messy, and it's dirty, and there's all sorts of clutter in there. And let's say it's small enough that you, you don't even have a light bulb in there. So you get a flashlight, and you start looking around. And as you're looking around, it's, it's grosser, it's messier than you even thought. And so you're kind of going towards the back, and you think, I can't even do this anymore. I don't even want to look at this. And so you stop the progression of your flashlight. You don't even shine it to the back. Well, see, by not letting the light go further, you are, by definition, letting that area be in darkness instead. And that's exactly what so many of us have done with our spiritual lives. Every single one of us in this room, myself included, have areas of our lives that we haven't yet let the light of Jesus Christ into. And so by definition, those areas are in darkness instead. Why do we do that? I'll tell you why. It's kind of a hard word. But Jesus says this in John chapter 3. It's right after John 3.16. He says, we choose darkness because our deeds are evil, and we don't want the light to expose them. For some of us, as soon as we leave this room, we resume choosing darkness over light or at least just hesitating to continue to choose the light, so by default we choose the darkness. For some of us, we claim the name of Christ, but every night when we get home from work or when the kids are in bed, what do we gaze upon? For many in this room, maybe for most, it's darkness. Now, I get it. This is a challenging world to live in in 2019. Like, if you lived in Blaine... 100 years ago, let's say it's 1919, what, what would your eyes, if your eye is the lamp of the body, what would your eyes gaze upon for most of your day? Well, if you lived here, you probably would have been a rural farmer, so you would have woken up in the morning, you would have gazed upon, uh, I don't know, Bessie the cow or something, right? You're, you're milking the cow, you're out in your crops by day, maybe by uh, night you're reading a book uh, by the firelight, uh, maybe you sinfully read a Charles Dickens book. So that's probably like the worst. I'm, just not, I'm not saying that's sinful, right? <laughs> Some of you are like, oh no. <laughs> right? There's, there's, darkness is certainly available, right? In 1919, absolutely. But there was simply less opportunity for people to easily, quickly immerse their eyes in darkness 100 years ago. All right, fast forward to today. From the time that we wake up our eyes, the lamp of our body, can invite in darkness. What's the first thing that most people touch when they wake up? Your phone, right? Our phone. A device capable of bringing in great light into your body in the blackest of darkness. And we carry it around in our pocket. And it never leaves our side. In the evenings... You have now, this is so different than 100 years ago, you have at the touch of a remote access to hundreds or maybe even thousands of shows. And for most people in this room, there is no filter, zero, on the lamp of your body, on what you let in. 
We are not guarding, most of us, whatsoever, the doorway to our heart. And for a lot of us, because we haven't let the light of Jesus into that particular area of our lives, that part of our lives are in darkness. Uh, Comedian and uh, writer David Frost uh, once very astutely said this. He said, television, now, for most of you, you could insert in uh, Netflix or YouTube, uh, whatever it is you spend most of your time watching. Television is an invention that permits you to be entertained in your living room by people you wouldn't have in your house. Now think about this. Sure, much of it is acting, right? So you're, you say you're watching a war movie. Somebody gets you know, killed by a sword. You know they're not actually dying, right? That's fake blood, okay? Some of it is acting. But think of some of the other things. Think of the words that we, through our eyes, through our ears, that we expose ourselves to nightly. The language, the hate, the revenge. Let me ask you an interesting question. If those same people were not in 2D, but they were actually in your living room, and your family was there, maybe the same people that are watching it, and they were, having, they were saying the same thing, and they were speaking that way to each other, in your house, uh, maybe in front of your kids, would you let that happen? Or would you usher them out? Because you'd say, this is not good. This, uh, the, it's the darkness into my eyes, into my ears. Uh, many Christians nowadays, uh, to say nothing of the epidemic of pornography, uh, many Christians openly watch shows with nudity in them, right? Because it's kind of just what's happening in the culture. We've lost sort of this sort of rating systems that you maybe have. You can stream anything you want at this point. This is not, this is not a, a fake knifing by the sword here. When you're, when you're watching something on the screen, you know they're actually naked, right? And they're actually doing what they're doing And that is somebody's daughter, or son, or husband, or wife, that you just, your eyes saw it. Would you let that happen in your living room? As a Christian, as a follower of Christ, would you you watch that in your living room and feel like you were following Christ? I is the lamp of your body, is the doorway to your heart. Are you guarding it? What you see, what you expose your eyes to, is what seeps into your heart, and the Bible says is what comes out in your character. Christians, I plead with you. I plead with you. Stop letting so much darkness in through your eyes. Listen, I know to some of you in this room right now, I sound like a Puritan or some prude or like your grandmother. But I want you to know something. As different as my words sound right now to the rest of the culture, the question you need to ask of yourself as a Christian is not how do my words sound in comparison to the rest of the voices in culture, but how do my words sound in comparison to God's word? 
you know, in the, in the book To the Golden Shore, uh, which is the biography of uh, Adoniram Judson, who's the first American missionary. Oh, by the way, this is the best book that I've read in like three years. Uh, Judson explains in the book that when he's in Burma, that the people of Burma had an incredibly difficult time accepting Christianity. And the reason why they had such a difficult time accepting Christianity, because in their culture, they just could not believe that a God would ever let his son die and suffer on a cross. That was so foreign to how they looked at the world that it was so difficult for them to believe in Christianity. Okay, well, we hear that, and what do we think? Maybe you just thought this in your mind. We think, well, it doesn't really matter what your culture thinks. It's the truth. It's what happened. Okay, well, then let's apply that same sort of logic. Conversely, then, we need to realize that so many of our Christian brothers and sisters around the world, they look at our American culture, and they say the exact same thing to us regarding our views around basically anything to do with sex. How we dress, what we watch, the sex itself. We are, we are neck deep in this. I, I would actually say it is over our eyes and we are blind. And ultimately, just like in Burma, Burma, it doesn't matter what our culture thinks is right or normal. What matters is what is God's truth for your eyes? What does it say? Well, what does it say? Well, it says it's a lamp of the body. Well, look where else. Ephesians 5.3, Paul says this. He's writing to you, followers of Christ. He says, but among you, that's you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality. Could you say that of your life, of what you have let into your eyes of the last week or two? Could you say there's not even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed? Why? Because these are improper for God's holy people, the people who have the spirit of God in them. What does Jesus say about your eyes and what you see? In the Sermon on the Mount, he says this, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman, he's injured a person here, lustfully, has already committed adultery with her in his heart. I, know, I understand this is countercultural, it's a hard word, but for so many of us, the truth is there are too many areas of our life where we just haven't let the light of Jesus touch. We've hesitated because we don't know what we would do if we had to stop watching that show or if we had to cancel that subscription or if we just let Jesus more fully into our marriage or into our wallet or into our workplace or wherever it is. And yet Jesus has said to you in his word this morning that when your eyes are unhealthy, then your body is unhealthy. It's dark. I, I assure you, that much of the spiritual apathy that many of you in this room have felt lately, I would guess in a room of this size that there are a number of you in this room where you just kind of feel about your faith lately. You've, you've, you've lost your passion for Jesus. You're not on fire for Jesus Christ. I assure you in our culture that much of that is connected to your eyes because what's happened is that's where you hesitated, right? You stopped the progress of Jesus' light at a point where it would have gotten difficult, and because of that, now that the light isn't coming in, you are in darkness, probably even more and more so. And it leads to you feeling, 
about Jesus because you stopped the progression of his light in your life. And yet, you are still here. You still want Jesus in your life. And he wants to be in your life. So he wants to be in every single part of your life. That's the amazing thing about Jesus. You can run from him. You can run from him into the darkness. You can run to him from him to the darkness where you even used to be before you knew him, and he still wants to be in your life. This is the God who gave his son Jesus for you. He bled for you on the cross. See, the truth is God doesn't want darkness in your life. He cares for you so much. Just like if if you're a parent, just like you wouldn't want darkness in your child's life. He doesn't want that for you. He wants to fill your life with light, with life. I will tell you, if you turn over those hidden parts of your life to him, I guarantee you, you will be better off. I didn't say it was going to be easier, but his way is better. If you're here this morning and you know that you just need more of God's light, his life in your life, let him in. Let him back in today. Don't underestimate the power of his light. You know, when I was was in that mine, half a mile under the earth, it's dark, it's the blackest darkness I've ever seen. After they let it just sit there for about 20 seconds, the tour guide, he just flips on his little light on his hard hat. Just this teeny little light lights up the whole cavern because light is always stronger than darkness. And that is who Jesus is in your life. See, and the good news of the gospel is that Jesus isn't saying to you this morning, okay, well, you just you better leave this place and you better work harder and pick yourself up at your bootstraps and start watching what you're doing. That's not how the gospel works. You didn't get saved by all of a sudden saying, I'm going to be a good person, I'm going to get my life together. No, you just cast your life upon Jesus. You believe that he died on the cross for you and you invited him in and he began to move and work. So how do you let the light back into your life or into those new places in your life? The same way. You simply need to open your eyes and let the light in. And the light will do the work. It'll come in and it'll change you. Where do you need to let him in? Let him in. It'll be better. Let me pray. Lord, we come to you this morning uh, just saying that we, God, we, we ask for your forgiveness. We repent. Uh, there are so many places, God, where we, we were choosing darkness instead of light. God, may you, fill, may you fill us with your light. And may we live in the goodness of your grace. In your name we pray. Amen.